It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to follow me. Julian Council on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Fridays I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. And if you'd like to participate in the weekly Friday mailbag right here on Locked On Panthers, either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council. Going to be joined by Lance Daw, the host of Locked On Kentucky, on today's episode as we're going to break down Will Levis, who had his pro day on Friday as the Carolina Panthers traveling contingent, moved from Columbus to Tuscaloosa to Lexington, Kentucky, to check out Will Levis, the potential number one overall pick here in the NFL draft to Carolina. If they so choose to take Will Levis, I think it's either Stroud or Young. But I'm going to have Lance to tell me why Will Levis struggled in 2022. Heading to that season, there was a lot of talk about Will Levis being, of course, top five picks, which he could very well be here in Carolina or Houston or maybe in Indianapolis or elsewhere. We'll see what happens. So I want to talk to him about the struggles with Will Levis this past season, but also... The strengths, the Josh Allison, not Josh Allison, the Josh Allen, excuse me, comparisons and why Will Levis could go number one to Carolina. So you can talk to Lance Dahl on today's episode about Will Levis here momentarily. But the Carolina Panthers made some moves on Friday afternoon. The first one was signing DJ Chark to a one-year $5 million deal to be that speed, deep threat, wide receiver the Carolina Panthers needed in Frank Reich's offense and Honestly, when you look at the wide receiver core here in Carolina, it's still not the most overwhelming one in the NFL. It's not going to be one that you're going to look at and be like, okay, I'm, I'm afraid of those guys. It's not one of the best wide receiver cores in the NFL. It's probably still one of the bottom third, maybe one of the worst in the NFL. But they needed to go out there after trading DJ Moore and bring in a veteran, Adam Thielen, who can play in the slot and is an ace route runner. They need to bring in a body like DJ Chark, who has been a pro bowler before, who can be that deep threat the Carolina Panthers currently did not have on the roster. So they needed to add veterans after trading away DJ Moore. And you really look out a year ago, it was DJ and then Terrace a little bit in the second half of the season. Those were the options. Robbie Anderson never had a good year in Carolina or even when he left to go to Arizona. Christian McCaffrey... Of course, not a wide receiver, but obviously a key pass catcher in the offense in the past. He was gone in Carolina, and the running backs and Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman don't provide what McCaffrey provides, and of course, what Miles Sanders will provide this upcoming season in Carolina. So it wasn't a great pass catching group, but it's much better now that you have Thielen. Now that you have Chark, you bring in, um, gosh, why can't I remember his name right now? Uh, from South Carolina. Let's go ahead and go find um, the name. Jeez, uh, long day, folks. Uh, they bring in Hayden Hurst. So you got Hayden Hurst, you got Miles Sanders. But looking at the wide receiver core as a whole, it's like it's Thielen, it's Chark, 
It's Terrace Marshall. It's Shai Smith. It's LaVisca Chenault. It's okay. It's not great, but it's better than what it was a year ago. And then even for me, I still think the Carolina Panthers should take a wide receiver at 39 in the draft right there in the second round. I already have people who have tweeted at me being like, no, they need to go out there, get an edge rusher, look at another position. Okay, I understand what you're saying. And yes, it would be nice to have somebody opposite of Brian Burns. And they still have not gone out there and found someone to do that. And there's still pass rushers who are capable, who are out on the street. And we'll see whether the Panthers make that move this upcoming week. I would like for them to do that if the money is right. And I don't really know who those second round edge rushers would be in the draft. I can talk to somebody who can tell me who could be there at 39 for the Carolina Panthers at multiple positions. Probably something that we'll do on the show sometime next month in April. But for me, Thielen, he's going to be here for at least two years. He wants to be here for the next three. We'll see how his production is and whether he can stay healthy because that's really going to dictate whether he does stay for all three years of his contract. But he wants to be here to build something in Carolina. But at the most, he's going to be here for two years. I mean, at the very least, he'll be here for two years. And my expectation is he'll probably only be here for two years just at this stage of his career. Also, Chark, it's a one-year deal. Terrace Marshall heading into his third year. Same thing with Shai Smith. We got to see something from these guys. And then LaVishka Chenault as well. You're getting to the point where you don't have any long-term options on the roster. Thielen, two years, could be three. Chark, it's only one year guaranteed here for $5 million. Terrace the next two years. Shai the next two years. And then LaVishka, I want to say this might be his fourth year. Um, yeah, this is his fourth year in the NFL. So this could be his last year in Carolina. So you don't have a long-term option. And I understand the desire to go out and get another corner, to get another edge rusher. But for me right now, with the rookie, you want to give him somebody who he's going to have long-term at the wide receiver position. And right now, there's not anyone on this roster that you can definitively say is going to be here in five years' time that can be that long-term option for you at wide receiver. And even if you get someone at 39, it does not mean that they're going to stick around and be here long-term, but that's the hope if you take a wide receiver at 39 in the draft. So for me right now, on March 27th, still, what, full month away from the draft, April 27th, April 28th is when the second round, third round will be. I think the Carolina Panthers at 39 should be looking at a wide receiver, even with the additions of Thielen and Charkin and looking at guys like Terrace Marshall, Shai Smith, and LaVishka Chenault that are already on the roster playing at wide receiver. Now, the Panthers also made another move, finally deciding which kicker they were going to keep. Would it be Eddie Pinheiro? Would it be Zane Gonzalez? I was saying, hey, if you can find a way to sign Eddie and have him compete, that would work out. But then I also kind of thought to myself, all right, well, if Eddie Pinheiro, who hasn't missed a field goal, since like week eight, that loss in Atlanta, why would he want to come in and compete after being one of the best kickers in the NFL this past season? So you kind of got to choose, especially knowing that Chris Tabor worked with Eddie Pinheiro in the past and didn't really get to work with Zane Gonzalez this season after his injury in that preseason game against Buffalo where he slipped on the turf and ended up hurting, what was his groin, whatever it was, and was out for the season. Pinheiro made the most sense for the guy that you would think the Carolina Panthers would keep. And, well, that's what happened. The Carolina Panthers signed Eddie Pinheiro to a two-year deal. Don't have the terms as far as the finances of the deal just yet. And then went on to trade Zane Gonzalez to San Francisco to the 49ers who just moved off of Robbie Gould as they get in exchange for a conditional swap of late-round picks in the 2025 NFL Draft. Love what Zane Gonzalez brought to Carolina during 2021. The problem was got hurt in Buffalo, got hurt again in 2022, the injury concerns. When you have a kicker in Pinheiro, who was just as consistent, just as good as Zane Gonzalez, probably is going to cost about the same amount of money as Zane Gonzalez and someone who's stayed healthy. 
and has been really good for you aside from that one game in Atlanta, you're going to keep him. And when you look at Chris Tabor, his relationship with Pinheiro, he was a key reason why Pinheiro even signed in Carolina. It makes all the sense in the world why the Carolina Panthers decided to go with Eddie Pinheiro instead of Zane Gonzalez. But it is good that they were able to trade Zane and get some sort of compensation. And that was the thing for me. If you brought Eddie in to compete with Zane and they were going to go duke it out and figure out who's going to be the guy and wait maybe until camp to figure out which one you want to keep, the Panthers always had the op- opportunity, I felt like, to trade the loser of that competition. Well, there's no competition. It's Eddie, and they've traded Zane to San Francisco. Panthers and Niners, once again, doing business, and like to see that. Best of luck to Zane Gonzalez, but happy to have Eddie Pinheiro here in Carolina for at least the next two years, maybe just one, depending on how he kicks this upcoming season in 2023. But glad to have Eddie Pinheiro re-signed here in Carolina. And I'm glad to have Lance Daw of Locked On Kentucky here on the show today. As we're going to talk about Will Levis and what he could potentially provide as the number one overall pick here to Carolina. So we'll talk about that here when we come back right here on Locked On Panthers. But before we do that, man, the tournament's been insane. Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, Miami, all going to the Final Four for the first time ever. And, oh, yeah, there's UConn, who is finally back. Four-time national champions. Could they be five-time national champions this time next week? Wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. I guess it wouldn't be this time next week because the game wouldn't be until Monday. But you understand what I'm saying. But the tournament is heating up and has been absolutely on fire. And there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. That's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at no, no sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, back here on Locked on Panthers. And as promised, Lance Daw at Lance Daw underscore on Twitter. He is the host of Locked on Kentucky. And of course, we have him on today to talk about one of the potential candidates for the number one overall pick here in Carolina, Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky. Lance, how you doing, man? Doing great, man. How you doing, Julian? I'm doing well. Uh, The Carolina Panthers and their traveling circus have gone from Columbus to Tuscaloosa, now to Lexington, as they try to figure out who is their guy that can change this franchise, turn it around, and be that franchise quarterback, something that they have desperately been missing over the last couple years once Cam Newton's body unfortunately broke down. And could that possibly be Will Levis out of Kentucky, who had a lot of talk surrounding him heading into the season And I feel like the buzz surrounding Levis has kind of dimmed the last couple of months, really, after watching what happened at Kentucky during the 2022 season. So we'll talk about that. But just first and foremost, who is Will Levis? What makes him special? Why is he even considered 
a top prospect in the 2023 NFL draft, that quarterback? Well, I think first and foremost, I, he, he's very comparable to one of the, the NFL's best right now in terms of physicality and size and just what he looks like uh, on the football field. And he's, he's comparable to Josh Allen. Uh, and then you may say mechanically, maybe they're a little bit different, maybe in terms of what they like to do. They're a little bit different. We can discuss that later if you would like. But yeah, in terms of build and frame, I mean, he's right up there with guys like Allen. And I think that's what the immediate intrigue is. Oh, look, this kid got through two seasons, battled it out through injury. And physically, he's just able to take a lot. A, a lot. Uh, and, and so I think that NFL scouts and NFL GMs are probably foaming at the mouth of the fact that this kid can throw the football a mile and physically he can take a hit he can run he's a lot more mobile than what I think his frame would indicate uh yeah so everybody I think in the NFL whenever prospects like this roll around are going to be asking and looking for the second coming of Allen and is Will Levis that guy I don't know but I think right off the bat physically uh that's what you're looking at with uh with uh with Levis so that's who he is he's a big bodied quarterback I think he's a good kid I think he's a confident kid uh, somebody that I think you could definitely describe as as a leader, um, so just very confident on and off the field, just based on what I've seen from him. Uh, so yeah, he is your prototypical, just big physical quarterback, and I think a lot of people should be uh, excited about that. I know when you look at Will Levis, I think he's six four two twenty nine is what he weighed in at the combine. Mm -hmm. He's everything that NFL teams want in a quarterback. He has the traits. In the NFL, oftentimes you get to the draft, it's a traits league. And I know you do a college podcast. Like I'm a big college football fan. And we sit here and we just watch and see who's a good player. And oftentimes, I think we get to the draft and we're somewhat confused by who the NFL likes compared to like who we like as college football fans and who we right. actually saw play at the highest level. Like Bryce Young at Alabama he does not have the traits, but he was a better player in college than Will Levis. I don't think that really can be debated, but Will Levis has the traits and maybe the ceiling could be higher than a guy like Bryce Young. But certainly when you watch him play, he's an athlete because I've watched this dude run over guys in the SEC consistently through his two years at Kentucky. So anyone out there who does not think that Will Levis is a plus athlete, they're a fool or either have not been watching him play at Kentucky. So I do love that about him and the confidence he did say at the Combine. I have a cannon, and that is absolutely true when watching him throw the football. He's got a there's a lot to like about Will Levis. There's also some things not to love, but what's stick with what to like? I don't know. You watched his career in Kentucky. The best game I feel like I saw from Will Levis was 2021 at Georgia, especially when you look mm. at how good that defense was, how he was able to hang in the pocket when he had a better offensive line. We'll get into some of the issues last year in 2022 at Kentucky, but I felt like that was his best game as a Kentucky Wildcat, to still have them in the game late against what ended up being the eventual national champion and a defense that had, what, six or seven go in the first round of the NFL draft. And I look at what Bryce Youngs did against Georgia, which he had a great game in 2021. I look at what Richardson did, and he was awful against Georgia. And, of course, Seth Stroud was awesome New Year's Eve. Will Levis stacked up to Stroud and Young in that 21 performance against Georgia. To me, that's the best performance I saw to Will Levis. I don't know how, how you feel about that game or some of the other games that stood out to you. But what would you think about as far as his total best performance at Kentucky? I was actually hoping that we would get into this because I was going to say what you said, which is his performances against Georgia were some of the most impressive to me. Now, you could look at other performances like his game against LSU in 2021. You talk about running over guys. I mean, you can definitely turn on the tape there and just see the physicality. But in terms of mentally looking at what this kid can do, 
not getting stuck on reads, even though that's something that it has been on his scouting report, you know, making his progressions, you know, working on that footwork, delivering balls with accuracy, having that consistency. I think that's been my biggest critique of him. You got to see in that first Georgia game, 32 of 42, no turnovers or no interceptions rather, which is something that he has been uh, throughout his career, which is turnover prone getting to go up against a, a team like Georgia, who has a, at that time, really, really strong four two five defense, just something that's really hard to pick apart with the athletes that they have. I mean, that was an impressive performance to not yeah. go to, to go in there to not back down to play. I think in terms of quarterbacking, uh, one of your best games of your career against a very strong defense. Now he didn't eclipse 200 yards passing. Uh, I think part of that is the just simply the limitations of what Kentucky has relative to Georgia in terms of athletes. And I think scheme, uh, I, I definitely, you, you, that's not hard to argue. There's a gap there. He's working with what he's working with. Um, but it was definitely, I, I think, one of the more, even though the stats don't necessarily wow you, they lost the game 30 to 13, if I'm not mistaken. But it was one of those, oh, this guy can actually make it happen against some NFL defenses. Wonder if you give some, give him some pieces, given him uh, an offensive line comparable to what he's working against on defense. Uh, I definitely think he could show out. Now, this past year, I think it was a little bit less impressive what he did against the Bulldogs, and it was it was weird because he was at home. Uh, he did yeah. eclipse 200 yards passing. He did have an interception. Uh, the offensive line this year was significantly worse than it was last year, so we can get in that conversation just talking about some of the issues he he had to deal with, but. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think the best game of his career had to have been either that Georgia or that LSU game, just seeing what he did on the ground against the Tigers and then what he did through the air against the Bulldogs. Yeah, and those are the games that I think evaluators are watching the closest because that's against NFL talent. Annually, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, they're putting out monsters on defense into the NFL. And when you see Levis go out there, and the game, people watched it. It was actually competitive going into the fourth quarter. Then things kind of snowballed because Georgia out-talented Kentucky. They're a better team in Kentucky. But the fact that Levis went out there and was composed throughout the entirety of the game in 2021, that really impressed me. And the LSU game as well. Like, Levis is an intriguing prospect. And I thought going into the year, a lot of the reasons why people loved him, outside of just like, okay, he's he's got the size, he's got the arm, he's clearly has a toughness, and he can run through guys, is that Josh Allen comparison that we brought up early on in the mm -hmm. show, that I was thinking, okay, Josh Allen's going out there, just had a monster year in 2021, Levis had a good year after transferring Penn State, that's why people like him. How does he compare to Josh Allen, and how is he different from Josh Allen, outside of just you know, the obvious, the obvious physical traits. Well, I hate to be, uh, to be negative towards Levis, but right now I just simply think creativity uh, compared to Josh Allen and Josh Allen is just not there. I, I think once Levis gets outside the pocket, there are things that he can do. Obviously, like we've talked about, he is a, he is a wrecking ball. He can get through you. He can get around you. He can get over you. We, we've seen that on tape as well. A couple of hurdles uh, in, in his college tape, but he is not, I think, as creative with jo uh, as Josh Allen when it comes to looking downfield and delivering some of those balls. Now, obviously, as we know, it took a couple of years for Allen to get adjusted to the NFL. He was not the playmaker right out of the gate that he was for the first couple of years of his tenure in the league. I wouldn't expect Will Levis to step onto the field and be some type of elite, you know, running around Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen type of guy, just slinging the ball all over the place and uh, running out, out of the pocket and just being fun to watch. But I would say even adjusting to the league, I just don't know if Levis's, uh, I don't know if his creativity and his ability to extend plays is ever going to be on the level of, of Allen's, but I th certainly think it's a possibility again because of how physically similar they are. 
I think Levis is different in the fact that I think he's more of a inside the pocket guy. I, I do like his legs, but I do think that he's more consistent there. Um, and then in terms of the way that that these two guys operate, uh, I think that Levis is is really working on his short game uh, as a, as a passer. That's something that you'll see in scouting reports is that. He is not the most consistent down-to-down type of passer as maybe some of these other guys on, on what are described as simple throws. And it's not for a, a lack of, of physical talent. It's almost, I think, more of that issue. He's just either not figuring out how to get the ball in the right place, how to put the right touch on it, how to lead a receiver. I think something that's also been thrown out there, if I'm not mistaken, is and this is something that you could definitely see on tape. I, I don't argue with this at all. At all is, yeah putting receivers in position to get yards after catch. Uh, he, he is not great, I think, at times of leading his receivers. Um, I, I've watched quite a bit of, of different quarterback, uh, t- uh, well, well, the trainers, break down his film and explain that a lot. I mean, you can go back. I think it was that first Tennessee game in 2021. You see a lot of examples of this where he just does not do a good job. He hits the open man, mm-hmm. but he never puts the receiver in position to continue to run the route, to continue to get around a defender, to continue to find space to score. And so I think if you're looking at differences between Josh Allen and Will Levis, I mean, obviously right now one's uh, a, a borderline potentially could win a Super Bowl type of quarterback, and yeah. the other one just got out, out of college with a 19-10 TD interception ratio. So uh, I, I think that just consistency is something that we're looking at with Levis, and then in terms of stylistically what he likes to do, I think he's more of an inside-the-pocket guy. Um, let me ask you this. Looking at Will Levis, I think another thing that had a lot of people excited about him, aside from like, okay, hey, he kind of looks like Josh Allen. Now, does he play like Josh Allen? Of course not. Like Josh, like you mentioned, is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I don't, don't think it's necessarily fair to place those. Kind of, I don't think people are placing an expectation on Will Levis, but the two, the comparison, that then with it brings the expectation, oh, maybe he could be sure. that kind of player once he finally gets to this level in the NFL. But the fact that he's played – in a scheme that's very popular in that McVay, the Shanahan scheme of the last two years in 2021 mm-hmm. with Liam Cohen, who left after that year to go to Los Angeles. Now has come back to Kentucky to be the OC. And in last year, more of the Shanahan scheme with Rick Gangarello as their OC at, in Lexington at Kentucky. Do you think that's going to give him maybe the advantage over some of these other quarterbacks like Anthony Richardson, like a CJ Stroud, like a Bryce Young, as he prepares to come to the NFL and whatever he gets into the NFL? I I think that when you look at his year one tape at Kentucky with Liam Cohen, you saw a lot of positive things in in him just immediately clicking with what is a pro style offense with Scangarello last year. I I don't necessarily know if it gives him an edge because I'm just going to be straight, straightforward with you. He didn't really succeed. He he, he didn't really play well in in that system. And part of it was the offensive line. Part of it was that were the things that were happening around him, but uh, I, I would definitely say he does have an edge over some quarterbacks in this class because he's already worked with that pro style scheme and he looked good, like really good at times with Liam Cohen. I'm not not as impressed with what Scangarello tried to do with him. I don't necessarily know if it's Scangarello's fault. I, I just think it was just not necessarily a great fit. Um, but but you're looking right whenever you have guys like Levis and they're really physically talented. You're looking. I, I don't know who's. Uh, analogy this is but you're looking for them to be the truck not the trailer you're looking for them to drive the offense and to make sure that they are pulling the team along instead of weighing them down and in Scangarello's system last year Levis I'm not saying I'm going to sit here and say was a trailer and was weighing the team down but I think there were a lot of moments where his talent would shine but he also again consistency I go back to 
He just was not the most consistent quarterback. He didn't necessarily excel or pull the team forward. Now, with I will say again for the third time, with Cohen, he looked great. So yeah. if you're looking at what he could do as far as gaining an edge mentally over some of these other quarterbacks like Young, like Stroud, I certainly think that he is, at the very least, on their level, understanding different NFL-style schemes. But at the end of the day, does it get him picked number one over a guy like Stroud, over a guy like Young, just simply because of how dazzling they were in college? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I think the processing obviously is important. Having mm -hmm. an understanding of some of the concepts and schemes that they want to run in the NFL, and obviously the verbiage also will help them. And I don't know how similar it will be here in Carolina. Thomas Brown is coming over from Los Angeles after working with McVay and, of course, Liam Cohen this past season, and he's going to be the OC here in Carolina. So it could be an offense that really does suit Will Levis just based off of experience in it. So it remains to be seen, of course, if he shows up here in Carolina or not. Now, Let's get into some of the things that he struggled with last year. I know turnovers has been a concern even back in the year he had with Leon Comey. He had 13 interceptions, I believe, and then 10 last year. So he's had issues. He had the fumble late in that Ole Miss game that really cost him as they were driving down there to go out and try and win the game. So he's had the issue with turnovers. You bring up the fact that it wasn't the same for him as far as his success with Cohen going to Scangarello last year. And I don't know. When I was looking at those receivers, I felt like the receiving core last year. Now, you didn't have a Wandale Robinson, who obviously is a fantastic player and is playing on Sundays. I don't know if Dane Key is going to play on Sundays. I really like, like the talent and the, and the potential he has as a freshman this past year at Kentucky. Barry and Brown was fine. And, and then even um, Tavian Robinson saw a lot of him at Virginia Tech. Okay, like that trio, I think it's a little bit better than what they had outside of Robinson a year ago because it's just really Robinson and Josh Ali. But if we're being honest, Wanda Robinson was that passing game in 2021. Was it the offensive line? Was it losing Cohen? Was it all of that? Like what led to the struggles overall, you feel like, for Will Levis in 2022? You are absolutely right. That's probably the best receiving core Kentucky has had maybe maybe this uh, this uh, century, like since 2000. Like it, it, it In a been... long time, man, because they've been trying. I, don't, I can't remember a trio like that at Kentucky. I remember asking Stoops about it in the summer and him just being very calm. Like, you know, they're very raw. We've got a lot of things to work with. But he was like, this may be the most talented receiver room I've ever had. And then that showed. And so that was not, I think, something that gave Kentucky problems. You, it, you mentioned it. It was the offensive line and it was losing Liam Cohen. I think those were the two things that really, really hurt Kentucky. Now, they brought in a couple of transfers, one from Auburn, one from LSU, Tried to get the 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 offensive line, you know, kind of patchworked it, patchwork it after losing a couple of guys to the draft, and it just didn't work. It just yeah. just full stop, just did not work, and it it led to I think you know highlighting some of these inconsistent in uh, inconsistencies with Levis in terms of holding on to the ball. I think for a little too long at times. That was a that was a big complaint among fans. Is I understand you're going through your prog progressions, but. You got to speed things up whenever you are halfway through the year. You realize your offensive line couldn't block wind, and you're trying to get the ball out to a, to a developing route. You got to you got to put it on him. Um, I, I think it was it was just honestly the the O line not being consistent, making Levis look worse at times than what I think he truly is. I'm not saying he's elite. I, I think that his turnovers were a huge problem last season, um, but. It was, I think, scheme change to something that yeah. he just didn't look comfortable in and the offensive line um, kind of holding him back from continuing to build on what was a promising 2021 season. Yeah, I believe with the O-line coach there at Kentucky, he also, well, he, didn't he pass away? I think that also like hurt them as far as the big blue wall, which had been one of the best units in the SEC as far as offensive lines go. 
Um, like, I'm right there, right? The was it John Sharman or something like that? Um, who's the old line coach there at Kentucky? I, b- I believe yes. Okay, if I'm not um, mistaken. So uh, let me ask me that, or let me answer this for me because I look at Will Levis and I, I think he's like a talented player. Obviously, again, like don't feel feel as highly about him as I do with Bryce Young in CJ Stroud. I do think he's shown more than Anthony Richardson. I go back to week two after Richardson was amazing against Utah week one into that Kentucky Florida game. It was Levis who looked great. And the throw down yep. to Dane Key for that touchdown yeah. was tremendous. I think more that's a great catch by Key in that game. But yep. Levis had control in that game, opposed to Richardson where late in the game, Florida, they wouldn't even throw the ball because they just had no confidence in the pass game. And the receivers, obviously, they were lacking and Levis had more around it. But Levis looked like the better prospect at that point in time. And I even think over the season, he looked like he was a better player than Richardson was. I'm just trying to figure out how does a guy like Will Levis go from not beating out Sean Clifford at Penn state to being considered as a top pick in the NFL draft. Like I'm just trying to figure out like, how does he go from not winning that job to now being considered one of the top quarterback prospects? Like how is it even possible? Cause I don't look at Sean Clifford as an NFL prospect. I don't think any NFL team is looking at him as, Oh yeah, that's a guy that we need to have on our team. I think when you look at any prospect, any player that has the physical gifts that Levis has, all it takes is the right coach and the right surroundings, and then they can explode. They can become something special. If you want to talk about another quarterback that you you guys may be familiar with that got drafted by the Titans, Malik Willis couldn't beat out Bo Nix or Joey Gatewood at Auburn. Yeah, He transfers to Liberty and becomes, what, a second-round draft pick? Uh, for yeah. third for the flames, it just sometimes takes the right scheme and the right surroundings to really expose that talent. And whenever you have the physical tools like Levis has, I mean, you, you could kind of pick from the litter when it comes to college coaches and just say, well, this guy could get it done. This guy could get it done. This guy could get it done. I know that this may not be the greatest comparison because, uh, he's, he's probably not going to be an elite prospect. At least I, I don't think so. Hendon Hooker at Virginia Tech uh, statistically was was not anything special. He gets to Josh Heupel's system. That yeah. system could probably make most quarterbacks go, but, I mean, he looked really, really good last year in it. So it, it really just does depend on circumstance. And so for him to go from uh, – that is to this day something that I question is how on earth did he not beat out Sean Clifford. Um, but he it, goes, It's head-scratching. Like, <laughs> I mean, Cl- Clifford is – like Clifford is the all-time wins leader at Penn State, which is a great program. So got to give him credit there. Like the hooker thing, that feels like that was just the former coach there, Justin Fuente, messing up because Burmeister is, mm. was his pick. And Burmeister went to San Diego State and wasn't really all that great. And then Hooker goes to Tennessee. Obviously, a hypo scheme helps. But then he was lighting up the world on fire, looking like one of the best quarterbacks in college football. And then I wonder with Auburn, Bo Nix. Looked really good this past year yep. uh, playing at Oregon. So was it like Gus? I mean, it's hard to think that Gus is holding anybody back. But like, was it maybe um, who was the coach there just before? Harson? Was it Harson? I don't know. But it, it is interesting to see like Levis not beat out that player in Clifford, who clearly is not an NFL talent, and then now go to Kentucky and be considered a top NFL prospect. It, it, it's it's curious to see, but hey, he's got the talent, at least the physical school, tools, and he mentally, like I was looking at a Jordan Palmer, his his breakdown of him, and he told me that he had mentioned that Will Levis was a 4.0 student back in undergrad and 4.0 finance degree from Kentucky. So the guy's a smart dude. So he's an interesting prospect. Just any last thoughts just on, on Will Levis as far as just his prospects, strengths, weaknesses, as we get closer to the draft in about like five weeks from now? 
I hate that his, and this is something that I said as soon as the season was over, I hate that his 2022 season went the way it did because had he been able to build on that 2021 season, he'd be the first overall pick. I, I think, yeah. but 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 the circumstance that he was in, like I said earlier, exposed some of his issues and he was not able to really recover from them because of what was surrounding him, um, particularly an offensive line that at times felt non-existent. Uh, he now finds himself in a position to be a first-round quarterback, but not the first overall pick. So how much does it change for him? It Dramatically, it, it's not that much of a shift. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you, you say, you'll say, well, the 13th pick as opposed to the first pick is, is a huge discrepancy. I don't understand the NFL all that well in terms of contracts and the way things are perceived. But um, yeah. if for him... It was, uh, it was just, a, it was a drop off, uh, straight up. So I think for what he is as a prospect, final thoughts, he's inconsistent. But it's so hard when you see a guy that was as durable as he was at times over the two year stretch he was with the Wildcats. It's hard to to not pick up a guy like Levis who is just physically has all of the tools, and then like you said, mentally is an intelligent guy. So I, I just think that he has so much potential that you can't really, really turn aside for maybe somebody else besides Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. He definitely, I think, is probably the third quarterback uh, in this draft. Yeah, and I've told Panther fans that I'm fine taking any of the four. Um, I just, when you look at just the athleticism that Richardson and Levis have in mm-hmm. this fact that, like, kind of traits-wise, as far as like, just size, like, they, they're pretty similar. I might take the guy who, if he gets to the corner, he's going to, he can go 80 yards and obviously mm-hmm. college and NFL completely different in those situations of whether he can actually do that at the NFL level. But I, I like Levis. I, I never, I didn't love him at Kentucky at least this past year, but I do like the prospect that he is. And I do think yep. with the coaching staff here and the fact that the Panthers have a good offensive line that he, we could maybe see more of the 2021 version of Levis than we saw this past season in 2022. But Lance, really appreciate the insight on Will Levis in Kentucky and what went all down the past year. And also just, you know, his strengths, weaknesses, and what kind of prospect or player he could actually turn out to be once he gets to the NFL. So you guys check him out, Locked On Kentucky. Of course, you can check it out on YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow Lance on Twitter, at Lance Daw, that's D-A-W-E, underscore for all the good stuff on the Kentucky Wildcats. And of course, where this football Basketball, I don't know if you cover the other sports, too. They got, got a good baseball team going on right now. Check them out there on Locked On Kentucky. Thanks again, Lance. Yes, sir. Absolutely appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, we'll take a quick pause here on the show and come, up, come back and wrap things up here on Locked On Panthers. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Great conversation there with Lance Daw of Locked on Kentucky, giving us the breakdown on Will Levis, who had an up and down and somewhat disappointing season in 2022. But I do think 
in the right system, like this guy might be the most ready to go just based off the fact that he's played in an NFL offense and that Thomas Brown here in Carolina, he's going to bring, I'm sure, some of the Sean McVay principles and Will Levis played in that same scheme back in 21 with Liam Cohen when things were really rolling for him at Kentucky. And I thought his weapons this past year, wide receiver, were actually better than what he had in 2021. Now, Wanda Robinson's pretty doggone good so it's hard to replace that guy but in no totality as Lance said like that's probably one of the better receiving cores Kentucky's had in a long long time but the offensive line really struggled and will really struggle to take care of the football make right decisions so it, it happens in the marquee game I remember watching this past year was that Saturday night game at Tennessee and he didn't look good meanwhile Hinton Hooker looked great that day and was looking like a Heisman Trophy favorite so we'll see how it works out for Will Levis, but I do think that he's going to come in with some pretty good knowledge of an NFL system, and it could make sense that the Carolina Panthers were wanting to play a guy, like, right away. Now, I don't know what the plan's going to be with Andy Dalton. I would expect that Dalton will get a chance maybe to start to start the season. We'll see um, how it works out. Frank Reich says he has an idea in his mind, and I think he probably wants to ease rookie in, and he did bring up last week how, hey, I started the first three games, then we had a bye, then Kerry Collins came in. We don't get the schedule until May, so we don't really know when the bye is going to be, but if the Panthers get an early bye, and I think people should kind of be rooting for that because that might give the Panthers a chance to start Dalton, Use a rookie in, get him in there after the bye, and then have him play the majority of the season, which is really the most important thing is to see that guy develop and show you that he could potentially be that franchise quarterback here in Carolina. So could that be Will Levis? Maybe. I like him, don't love him. I still would have the other three above him just because Richardson, like just what that could be, his ceiling, if he actually um, could put everything together. I think that could be better than Will Levis just because of his outrageous uh, physical talents. But Bryce Young, that's my top guy right now. CJ Stroud right there, you know, 1A, 1B. I'll take either one of them, and I'll be happy about it. I'll, I'll be happy with Will Levis. Just thinking about what he's done in an NFL scheme at Kentucky, especially under Liam Cohen, and knowing that Thomas Brown's here as the OC. So we'll see how it works out. I told y'all I'm fine with any of the four. It's a crapshoot. I'm not going to sit here and I say that I know that Bryce Young is going to be great, that C.J. Stroud is going to be great, that Anthony Richardson is going to be great, and Will Levis is going to be great. I'm not going to sit here and say that I think, oh, yeah, that guy's absolutely going to be a bust. I don't know. I just know what I saw, and I saw that Bryce Young was the best quarterback in college football the last two years, then C.J. Stroud. And then, you know, Anthony Richardson was pretty far down. But Will Levis was better than him. So we'll see how it works out. But Will Levis is certainly someone on the Panthers' radar and could have been the reason why they moved up to number one. So we'll see uh, how it works out as we get closer to the draft. April 27th cannot come soon enough, where we'll finally know who will be, hopefully, fingers crossed, franchise quarterback here in Carolina. But that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all, make sure to watch the show. And subscribe, follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Fridays, answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me over on Twitter to get those questions in. In the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding, and I will talk to you all on Tuesday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 